I'm teaching people what to do. I'm showing them how to do it, but they're still scared. They're still afraid, or they're still doing the opposite, even though they're following someone that's making money. And that's when I realized like it wasn't all about what to do. There was like a mindset thing with the stock market. Welcome to Personal Finance Cat, where I share my personal take on personal finance. Hi, Jason. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. I know that you are a trader and you have an education company that teaches people how to trade and manage finances. Your journey started with trading $10,000 from a student loan. So my first question is, how did you decide to do that? What inspired you and how did you manage to turn that into a six-figure trading company at such a young age? Yeah, so probably to go back, that's, that, that was when things started to get good. But my journey started before that. We actually grew up pretty poor. And when I say poor, I always tell people like, you know, I thought it was a luxury to have a bed. I remember going to my best friend's house and I was like, wow, you have a bed. And he kind of looked at me like I was like crazy. I'm like, well, we sleep in sleeping bags. And we had these little California raisin sleeping bags that we slept in. And so I thought beds were for grownups. And so I kind of knew at an early age that like there was a difference in finances and so I just thought, because my best friend had two parents, I'm like, oh, well, they got two incomes. Well, I saw my mom work two jobs and I never really saw us get ahead. And so I was always trying to figure out, you know, how could we change like our family's financial future? I'm always hearing about the stock market. And so my first foray was I was 18. I graduated from high school and I actually took my, you know, when people come and give you a gift for graduation. We had an open house. I actually took my $2,000 from my graduation money and I went and opened like a mutual fund at a bank. And I, I didn't know it was a mutual fund at the time. I just went to the bank and was like, hey, I want to invest. And the girl was like, well, what's your goal? And I'm like, I want to be rich. I'm like, why else do people do this? <laughs> and so I, you know, so she was like, so you want aggressive funds, right? And I'm like, yeah, I'm young. I'm 18. I want aggressive. And so I gave her my $2,000. And the reason I did that is because I would always hear stuff like if you had put $2,000 away 20 years ago and bought Ford or GM or this stock 20 years later, it would have been worth, you know, a million dollars. And so I was like, well, why doesn't everybody do that? Why doesn't everybody just put $2,000 away when they're 18? Little did I know um, that's not officially how it works. And so fast forward, I come back three years later. I'm 21. I'm like, okay, how's my $2,000 investment doing? I'm thinking it's going to be at 6,000, 5,000 something. And uh, they told me it was at $700. And so I was like, whoa, so you lost $1,300 of my money. And so that was the first time I realized like the professionals could lose money. And so I took the other 700 and I said, give me my money back. I could have lost my own $1,300. I'm going to do this myself. So I spent $200 on some gym shoes or something like that to make myself feel better. I have $500 left. So I'm working for Sprint PCS. I'm selling cell phones inside of Best Buy. I'm making $8 an hour. On a Saturday, I make 64 bucks. You take taxes out, it's like $50. I'm hating my life because like, I'm missing all the parties. I don't get to hang out with my friends because I work retail. I work all the, the weekends, the late hours. So I'm like, man, if I could just make $50 
I won't have to work Saturdays. And so our stock was $5 a share. I do what most people do. I bought stock in the company I work for, which is Sprint. I'm like, I can get a hundred shares. I just needed to move 50 cents and then I'll be, you know, I, I won't have to work weekends. We can move 50 cents a week. I just wanted 50 cents a week. And so when I bought at five, sure enough, the stock fell down to four. I'm like, this doesn't work. Maybe it's more complicated than I, than I, you know, was led on to believe. Maybe I'm just naive and cocky. And so it went back up to five. And I'm telling you, I was like, okay, this is it. I just needed to go to 550 and I'll make my 50 cents. Stock fell again. And so at this point, I'm like, I'm pissed. I think the stock market is rigged. I'm like, there's somebody behind the curtains that's like, don't let it go to 550. Don't let them make that $50. Like, I just, that's how I felt. I felt like somebody was out to get me. They knew what my number was and they just did not want to let it go over that amount. So it fell down to four. I'm upset. And went back up to five and I said, I've seen this before. I was like, I'm going to get out at five, which is my break even, right? I didn't make any money. I just broke even. I was like, when it falls to four, I'm going to get back in. It fell to four. I got I got in and went up to five. I got out and made my first $100. Now, what does this have to do with the story of me taking $10,000 student loans? From that point, I didn't realize that there were patterns in the market. And that was called a channel imbalance. Uh, channel and pattern. So stock was challenged between four and five, five to four, four and five, five to four. If you draw that out on a piece of paper, it looks like a snake kind of, you know, moving through the paper. So I spend months, hours, ton of time studying these patterns, like what other patterns exist? How does this stuff work? And I realized that there were all these patterns, but there were like a few that were like, keep repeating or showing themselves up. So I got really good at identifying the patterns and working that 500 bucks. So I was like, wow, if I had $5,000, I was like, I would have made X amount. I was like, but if I had $10,000, like, I would have been rich. And so I was like, man, where am I going to get $10,000 from? So I just had this brainiac idea. I was like, I had a scholarship to Wayne State University, Mikeula School of Business here in Detroit, Michigan. And because we were you know, financially poor, we qualified for financial aid. Um, and so I applied for financial aid because I knew that they would double pay the account and I would get the refund. I've seen other kids get a refund. They go shopping and stuff with them. I applied for financial aid because I knew they double pay. I get the refund. And I was like, I'm going to invest the 10,000 in the stock market. And so I took the 10,000. I started trading those patterns that I had already been practicing and studying for months and spent a lot of time making money with the $500. So it just made sense that I was doing the same thing with just a little bit more money. And in about nine months, I grew it to over like 120,000 or something like that. Wow. That's great. What a story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so maybe a couple of things to unpack there. You said that you started with Sprint and you saw the pattern and you figure it's like a light bulb went on. You figure that maybe there are some patterns in the stock market. How did you learn more about that and how did you get really good at identifying those patterns so back then like youtube all that stuff wasn't i don't even think youtube existed um that stuff you know wasn't as popular mm -hmm. so i literally learned by just i was watching it every single day so i literally was glued i used to watch it on my phone but that was before we even had color screens like i had a green screen on my phone and it just showed like the prices there was no graphs and then me and my cousin, we would print out like the graph, like from our brokerage 
and then we would like draw and like notice the patterns. And so it was just really self-taught of just like watching charts all day long or as much as I could. I mean, I had to work and go to school, but like every chance I could, I would look at my phone or I would try to get to a computer um, and kind of look and see what the pattern was and what it was doing for the day. Got it. Did you get more formal training later on or has it always been self-taught? Yeah. So down the road, it kind of leads me to another story. So down the road, I make I made a hundred, hundred and I don't know, grew accounts like a hundred and twenty thousand. I think I profit was a hundred and thirteen thousand or something like that because I had obviously the ten thousand student loan, and so I drops out of school. I'm full time trading for like three years, and year number three. Grow the account to about 300,000. So I had about a quarter million in there because I'm living off some of it. Uh, you know, I do everything a young person with money do, right? Move to the suburbs. I get a Lexus GS300. I put it on 20 inch rims. I mean, just, you know, I buy the best furniture. I'm partying, um, all the stuff, right? <laughs> but year three, I'm like, I'm going to buy a condo downtown Royal Oak, Michigan. It's like half a million dollars. I'm like, I'm going to pay cash for it. <laughs> so I risk a quarter million dollars trying to make half a million. I lose it all. <laughs> so, so I lose all that money. And my worst fear came true, which I had to move back home with my mother to that room with bars on the window, neighborhood with people trying to steal our cars. I had to sell my car and I have to go back and get a job. I say all that to say... I had to go back and get a job. So I'm like, I got to go back and do what I know how to do, which is sell cell phones. So I go back and get a job at Verizon Wireless this time. So I'm selling cell phones. I base my lifestyle off the hourly. I'm like, I'm going to use the commissions to get back into investing and get back into the stock market because I know that the stock market works. So over time, I'm investing. I get to grow on my account back. I'm going to school now. I'm, I'm using their tuition reimbursement because I can't get a scholarship or I can't get financial aid. I eventually get my degree. I'm in finance because I know what I want to do now. So I guess ready to leave Verizon, leave corporate America. Like I'm going to go full time trading again. I leave corporate America and I start losing money again. It's something about every time I leave work, I start losing money. Uh, so I leave and I start losing money again. So to answer your question, did I get any formal education? At that point, I started questioning, do I really know what I think I know? Was I lucky? I'm like starting to second guess myself. So now I'm finally like, let me take a course. I'm like, let me take a course and just maybe there's something I'm missing. And, and so I end up taking the course and I eventually get as good as the teacher. And so then I was wondering, like, how come they don't explain it like like where regular people could understand? And so I was like, man, I wonder if people would pay me like, so, well, let me let me back up a little bit because I'm missing a part of the story. When I lost all that money, I had to move back home. I had this crazy idea that I was going to record myself making the money back. That's actually how my YouTube channel and my blog got started. I was like, I can't be the only one that's ever lost money. So I'm going to record myself making it back. But as I started making it back, <coughs> excuse me, and growing the account, that's when I took a course. It's like, maybe I don't know what I think I know. And then when I left corporate America, I started losing money and I took another course was like, maybe let me make sure I'm not missing something. And then in both cases, I got as good as the teachers. 
And but I was like, why do they make it so complicated? Why don't they explain it like this? And so that's why I was like, in my videos, I'm going to start explaining it so that regular everyday people can understand it. But that's the first, that's when I started to look in the courses to make sure I just wasn't lucky or, you know, understand is there something I'm missing here? Because I keep making the money and then I start losing it back. Yeah, I have to say I'm not a trader. I guess what's interesting to me, because I think you're talking about technical analysis and I know it can get really complicated. How are you able to simplify that? Can you share some lessons or something or examples of how you simplify what you learn from the former courses? Yeah. So I, I think big picture, when people hear trading, they automatically think day trading. They automatically think something that is risky. And the reality is all trading is, is taking advantage of momentum and price action. That's all it is. If you think about it in like regular everyday life, if you were to pull out your phone and check the weather app, if the weather app said there's a 70% chance, 80% chance it's going to rain all week, to take advantage of that pattern, you would be like, oh, I'm going to buy a bunch of umbrellas from the dollar store and I'm going to go set up outside. Or maybe you're in Florida and you're like, people are going to be at Disney World. It's going to rain. I'm going to buy a bunch of umbrellas and set up outside on the street and say it's going to rain today. And it's an 80% chance it's going to rain. So it's a high probability that people are going to buy these umbrellas from you. That's the way I look at trading. It's not something I do every single day. It's more or less I'm waiting and looking for these predictable, repeatable patterns that have a 70, 80% chance of it raining or whatever the case may be. And then I just go in and take advantage of that price movement or that momentum in that direction. And so that is how I found like to simplify trading. The part about trading that is not simple is you're trying to master your emotions. You're trying to master fear, greed. People are like, this is the stock that's going to put my kids through college. Uh, you know, I'm going to be rich off this one. They're treating it like a lottery thinking how, how much higher can it go? Those are the things that most people have a problem with. Trading itself is simple. It's like looking at the weather app. Is it going to rain or is the sun going to shine today? And then that's going to tell you, should you wear shorts? You know, if, if, if the sun's going to be out, do you buy sunscreen to go sell on the street corner? Or do you, if it's going to rain, do you go buy umbrellas? And if you're like, it's a 50-50 chance it could rain, it's a 50-50 chance the sun can come out, then you don't buy anything. You don't buy umbrellas or sunscreen to sell. Most people force their will on the market. It's like, well, I'm going to do something today. I got to trade. I got to buy something. And it's not about doing something. It's about waiting for that high probability that it's either going to rain or the sun's going to come out. And then you take advantage of that price action. Wow. I like that analogy a lot. Do you have an example of a stock that you purchased, let's say, in the right time? You know it was going to rain and you bought it or you shorted it. Oh, absolutely. It. Absolutely. I mean, a ton of stocks. Um, I'll give you one back to my cell phone days. Okay. When I worked in the cell phone industry... I remember when everybody was buying Blackberries and I just saw these phones flying off the shelf. And there was a point in time where there was a switch that happened and Blackberries were for the most part only for like corporate users because they wanted to get their email on it. There was a switch where regular people wanted to get their email on their phone. So not only was the corporate users having Blackberries, but like regular people was like, I want to get my email. I want to be productive on the go. And so I saw them go from just selling from corporate to selling to consumers. 
And I started to see right in front of my eyes, these phones flying off the shelf. I'm like, they got to beat earnings, et cetera. So I actually end up buying the stock because I'm paying attention to the data and the movement. And then I believe, you know, I remember one trade where I made like $50,000 in like one day because they release earnings, they beat earnings. Always already had an idea that they would be earning because I saw the transformation happening right in front of my face and I profited from that. Now on the flip side, I also worked in the cell phone industry when I saw the iPhone come out and I saw everybody trading in their Blackberries and leaving and going to AT&T because they were the only one to have iPhones. And so I also saw the shift when Apple was starting to kind of dominate and its stock price was anticipated for the sun to shine and for the stock to rise. But I also saw that I was like, BlackBerry is going to miss their earnings because people are trading these in. They're going to iPhones. People don't really care to have a BlackBerry. They want the apps, et cetera. And they couldn't keep up. And so I actually had put options on BlackBerry and I had call options on Apple and made money from Apple going up and money from uh, BlackBerry going down. So those are just kind of some old school examples. I also remember going to the makeup store with my wife. She like, I just got to run in here real quick. I'm like, okay. So I went with her. I'm standing in the store. I get out because she's taking a long time. I go in. Line is wrapped like all around the store. I'm like, what store is this? It's a store called Alta. I whip out my phone. I'm like, I got to see what the stock price is doing. Because like, I'm looking at the line wrapped around the store. And then when I would drive around, I would see all these Alta beauty stores being built, but I didn't, it didn't say beauty. It just said Alta. So I was like, what is the Alta? But when I went with her, it clicked. I saw all these stores being built. I saw the line wrapped around the store for all the women buying makeup, lipstick. Kid you not. I did a video and it's, I'm sure it's on my YouTube channel or my Facebook. When the price was like $80 a share, I was like, I'm grabbing some of this stock. It eventually went up to four or $500 a share, but it's just paying attention to now you could also pay attention to what's happening around you, but you can also find this, these patterns by looking at charts as well. Those are just examples where I was just looking at what was going on around me. And a lot of time we're participating in making a stock move. We're on Facebook, but we don't own Facebook stock. We all buying iPhones, but we don't have Apple stocks. And so I really like to pay attention to what's around me and say, let me take that information and go look at the chart and see if this is a good opportunity to catch the momentum. Uh, those are very good examples. So do you have a system now to identify stocks to buy? Because these seem maybe a bit ad hoc, right? You worked in the phone industry. That's why you noticed the switch in the trends and you went with your wife to the cosmetic store. You noticed Alta. But if you want to do this on a consistent basis, how do you keep up with the new trends to capture opportunities like that? Right. So there's what we call the three most profitable patterns. One is uh, uptrend and channeling stock, right? Um, one is the pattern that I saw with Sprint PCS, which is a sideways channeling stock. And so every, I shouldn't say every day, but once a week for the most part, I go and look for these patterns where I look at stock charts and see, you know, is it uptrending? Is it channeling sideways or is it in, a, in some type of a downtrend? So those are the three patterns that I look for every week. Then once I find the stock, I then take that and do some fundamental research. Why do I think this pattern is going to continue? Why do I think the pattern is going to end? How long do I think it's going to continue for? And then I do what's called a, a risk reward analysis. So my model that we teach our students is we want to risk $1 to make $3. So 
it needs to be able to move at least three times the amount of money that I'm going to put into it. And if we're wrong, we need to have what's called our I'm wrong level where I'm going to get out, which is we want to risk no more than a dollar to make $3. So for example, if a stock can fall $3, we want to be able to make $9 off of it. And so those are kind of pieces of the methodology in which I trade. So I look for the pattern channeling up, down, sideways. I do a little bit of fundamental research, see if I think it's going to continue. Then I check the risk reward ratio and see if it matches my risk profile of what I'm willing to risk a dollar to make. I see. I have maybe a little bit of a challenging question. I like a challenge. <laughs> Efficient market theory which goes basically if there's information in the market publicly available, people are going to know it right away, especially with the information age, right? Everybody has the same information. So in theory, mm -hmm. if you think the trend is going up, the price is already there in a sense, right? It's already incorporated that positive information. So how were you able to compete when professional investment managers who are doing this full time, looking at maybe the same charts and other information that you're looking at, so how are you able to stand out and still capture a profit? Yeah, so efficient market theories kind of goes two ways because yes, everybody has the same information. So you're thinking like, if everyone's looking at the same information, we don't have an edge, but we don't necessarily need an edge because if everybody's looking at the same information, then we're all, all, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy if a bunch of people are looking at the same data points that say it's overbought or it's oversold right here. So it actually works in our favor because we all have the same information. A lot of people are looking at certain points and saying, this is where the buyers come in. This is where the big people come in. So it's no longer the big people or the banks or the professionals can hide where they're buying at. We can see it plotted on the chart, which I actually think gives us the advantage because now we can see where they believe it's undervalued or overvalue. And we can also see where the general public likes to come in and trade it, so to speak. And so I think it actually levels the playing field now versus it's not necessarily about getting the edge. It's about a rising tide lifts all boats. So it's like, yep, the tide's coming in. Let's get our boat in the water. And then the tide's going out. It's like, well, it's time to get it back to shore and dock this thing. Yeah. It actually reminds me of the whole GameStop, AMC story, let's say. The question that I have is, how do you make sure that you also get out in time? Sometimes you can ride a wave, like you said, right? That raise all the boats, but then sometimes it goes the other way. How do you make sure that you can get out in time and capture that profit before it's too late? Yeah, so if I were to tell you that the market is about timing it perfectly and getting in and out at the right time, I... That's not my style of trading. I don't believe people can time the market and get out at the absolute top or get out at the absolute bottom. Uh, what I like to do is, which we didn't talk about, is I use a lot of what's called call and put options. And so I use options to kind of hedge in case I'm wrong. And so, for example, if I'm in a stock that I believe is going to move, you know, $10, maybe after it moves $5, first I ask myself, did it meet my one to three risk reward ratio? If it did, I may be getting out. Second, I look at the chart and say, is it at resistance where people normally sell? If it's at or getting close to resistance, we usually try to sell about 
10% below where everybody else gets out because you can't be perfect. Sometimes it doesn't go up and hit exactly that price and turn around. It might go two, $3 below it. So those are things that comes with um, experience and building your own theory. But the other thing I may do is I may sell a call option against my option or against my stock at that price. And I'll get paid maybe three, $4 for that. So it doesn't have to go all the way up there for me to recognize that three, $4. But also if the stock starts to go against me, I got paid an extra three to four dollars premium. So even though my core position is like at break even, I made three, four dollars on the call option. So putting myself in a better position to stay profitable no matter what. Sometimes it goes up to a number I think is going to hit. And then I might buy put options and protect myself just in case it doesn't keep going. So I really, you know, I like to tell people the market moves three ways, up, down, and sideways. Most people only know how to make money one way, and that's buy low, sell high. And that's where you bring in the option strategy to say, what happens if it doesn't keep going up? What happens if it goes sideways? What happens is if it goes down? And I try to plan my what's going to happen next. I used to, I usually am two to three steps ahead of whatever's going to happen next to hopefully optimize the best scenario. Sometimes it still goes against me, but I usually am two, three steps ahead of what I'm going to do if the stock turns around. But trying to get in and out at the absolute top or at the absolute bottom, no one can do that consistently or build a lifestyle off of it. Yeah, makes sense. Maybe let's switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about your social media presence, uh, in particular, your YouTube channel and your podcast. You mentioned why you started the YouTube channel and it has since gained a lot of popularity. How do you usually choose topics for your YouTube channel? And what do you think most resonate with your audience? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I'm really hands on with like my students. We do a live uh, Q&A. We do live weekly trading sessions. And so I like to see what are some of the questions that they have. And then it kind of gives me an idea like other people probably have this, or I like to see where they're confused about or what questions they have. And typically I'm like, have I done a video on that or not? Or could I explain that, you know, more in depth? Um, so that's probably the number one way that I get my video topics really just by talking to students listen to their questions, listening on our live stream, seeing where people are confused at. We have a huge um, newsletter, probably, I don't know, 60,000 people on our email newsletter. One of the things we ask people are like, what are you struggling with with your trading? And so just the, the answers that they give me from that sometimes, like, I don't know how to open my account. I don't know when to buy. I don't know when to sell. And so I'm like, I have videos on those, but maybe they're old. Maybe the platform has changed. So I'll do newer videos um, to say, you know, here's how to do that on Webull, Robinhood, Charles Schwab. So I'm just really looking at what people want to know or where they're getting stuck. And then I also look at what's going on in the news and say, okay, here's what CNBC is saying about interest rates. They're trying to scare people or maybe they're pumping fear. I may take that and say, here's what you really need to know, or here's how it really is going to impact you or not going to impact you. They're just trying to do that to scare you. So I also think about topics just based on what's going on in the news and are people pushing fear or are they really telling them the truth and how I could relate to them or not? So you started the education company 
a couple of years later from when you started the YouTube channel or did that happen simultaneously more or less? About simultaneously. Okay. Initially I was just recording myself making the money back. I had nothing to sell. I wasn't taking students or anything like that. As I was recording myself making the money back and I would publish some of my texts, I would tweet, I would blog, people were making money from them. But then people were saying like, how did you know to pick that? And why'd you get in there and get out there? So they started asking more questions and it was turned into more of like, can you teach me? And I had learned how to get $100,000 in the account by growing it from 10,000 and getting a job working, growing it back. But I was like, how do you get like a million dollars in the account? And that's when I was like, I'm getting as good as the teachers. It's like, I wonder if people would pay me for my course, for my explanations, because no one's explaining this a regular people can understand it. So that's when I kind of, you know, pivoted the channel and start to saying like, Hey, if you want more in depth, you want to see these trades when I find them, how I find them, that's something you'd be interested in, you know? And then I started kind of building out the course and the platform from there. And then when did you start your podcast, Money Markets and Mindset? The Money Markets and Mindset. I mm -hmm. believe I started it, I want to say like three years ago. It might have been a little longer. And, you know, again, everything I do is to help people. That's like where my heart is at. It's like, how can I help people? And so I started the course and the program because I wanted to help people that were like me that didn't go to school for this, didn't have a rich family member to teach them this, didn't have a business owner, uncle or anything. And so when I started Power Trades University, we'll start off as the Brown Report and then Power Trades University. But what I noticed though, is that even though I would give people the trades, I would tell them how I found it. People would say stuff like, I'm scared, I'm nervous, or we'd be up like $5,000. I'm like, I'm taking my profit, close it out. They'd be like, I'm riding this a little bit longer. So I was like, man, I'm teaching people what to do. I'm showing them how to do it, but they're still scared. They're still afraid, or they're still doing the opposite, even though they're following someone that's making money. And that's when I realized like it wasn't all about what to do. There was like a mindset thing with the stock market. Like people would lose like 500 bucks and be like, this is not for me. And I'm thinking like, have you ever driven a car and gotten a car accident? I'm like, yeah. Did you just give up driving and say driving a car is not for me? Like, we don't do that. Did you ever flunk a class in school and have to take it again before you graduate and got your degree? You didn't fail one class and be like, school isn't for me. I'm not going to ever become a doctor or a lawyer. But when it comes to the stock market, we do that. And so I realized like people needed mindset training more so than just like what to buy, what to sell. And so I thought a podcast, because it's you know, a little bit longer format, you just listen to the audio. I don't have to draw or show you anything on the screen. I was like, I think this is a good way to give people mindset. And so I was like, let's start talking about money. Let's talk about the stock market a little bit. And let's talk about mindset. Because people have, if you grew up like I did, you have money issues or money blocks that you were taught. Like my mom always said, money don't grow on trees. Yet here I am in the stock market printing money. I'm printing money from my computer. And when I go pull that money out from the bank, they give it to me on paper that is made from trees. So maybe money really does grow on trees, right? <laughs> so now I'm battling my mom saying money doesn't grow on trees versus I think it does because I can print money from my computer and they give it to me in paperback dollars. So, you know, people, be, you're taught your whole life. 
in order to get ahead, you got to work hard. Well, when I first made my hundred thousand dollars, I was like, this wasn't that hard. Like I see people doing construction and doing hard work and they don't make a hundred thousand yet. I just looked at some charts on my phone or computer and placed some buttons. So I realized like we got to break through people's mindset of all the things that we've been taught our life about money. What if it's, what if what they taught us was wrong? And a lot of it is wrong, but they're teaching you what they knew from the industrial age. My mom's from Mississippi, from the South, where they pick cotton. All they knew was hard labor. So when we say, I'm going to work from home, I'm going to make money from my computer. They're like, boy, nobody does that. You know, money don't grow on trees. Go get a real job. Um, and we have to be willing to step out and say, no, I'm going to chart a new path because nobody in my family came from making money in the stock market and online. And I was like, let's start a podcast and start talking about those stories. Let's start talking about the issues we face, even the issues I face becoming a millionaire, being young, being black and becoming a millionaire. That came with a whole nother set of issues to face of like feeling like you bragging when you talk about money now, uh, worrying about people asking you for money because you're the only one that has some now. And so I'm like, where do we go to talk about this stuff? And that's really where the podcast was born. Just a really like a, a audio journal for me to just share my thoughts. I applaud you for that. I do agree. Mindset is really, really important. When you talk to people who really made it in whatever field, right? The mindset is really critical because a lot of times people can do a lot of things. They just can't change their mindset. That's why they're stuck in their ways and they can't get out of whatever situation they want to get out. I definitely do agree with that. What advice do you have for people who are starting out, who is new to stock market investing? What would the one most important advice be from you? Yeah, it's just always tough to pick one thing, but... We can pick two. Um, or more. <laughs> you know, when people, when people think about investing, I, I'd probably give them a mindset and then uh, I guess a tip. From a mindset standpoint, I just want them to know that it's not as hard as they think. We all, you know, we're growing up thinking that someone's always smarter than us. Someone knows better than us. Go to the professional. They went to school for this. And we're living in a day and age where you don't have to go to school to know something. You don't have to go get a formal education to know how to make money. And and, and people say things like, I would, I would invest in something, but I'm not good with money. And again, that's a lie that you've been telling yourself, because I guarantee you, if you went to the grocery store and your groceries came up to three dollars and you gave them a twenty dollar bill, if they gave you five dollars back, you'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. This was three dollars. You're supposed to give me 17 back. So all of a sudden we're good with money in that scenario. But then when it come over to the stock market, we want to play the card. I'm not good with numbers and money. I don't think I'd be good at that. And so that's a lie that we tell ourselves. So I would tell people, give themselves more credit and, and don't try to default to the, to, to when they say I'm not good with money, it's really something else going on. They don't believe in themselves. They don't want to look stupid. They've never been taught to go after something different. And then the other thing is, you know, in life, the only place we're taught to get coaching and training before doing something is in college. Like you want to go a doctor, you know, we're like, go to school, pick a university, which school is good for being a doctor. You want to be a nurse, go to school, pick a university, which one's good for being a nurse. 
When it comes to the stock market, we're one of the only industries where people be like, I'm not paying to buy a course. I'm not paying for a coach. And it's like, really? So why is it that when it comes to the stock market, you think with no training, you've never been taught how to read stock charts, how to evaluate companies, when to buy, when to sell. Why, when we come over here, we feel like I can just figure this out on my own. I'll just watch some YouTube videos. It can't be that hard. But everything else in life, we go get training for. But when it comes to the stock market, we feel like we need no training. We can do this on our own. And unfortunately, most people may take their last two, three, four, five thousand dollars. They lose it. Then they say, now I'll get some training. Now that they're flat broke, they're like, how does this really work? And I would. So my advice would be get some education before putting real money in the market. And I don't mean and then people may see it like, well, you sell a course, you have a program. Of course, you're going to say get some education. It doesn't even necessarily have to be with a person like me. They have what's called virtual trading accounts. Now, open a virtual account, practice with fake money, learn the game before you jump in with real money. So there's several different ways to get education. It doesn't necessarily have to be paying someone like me or buying a course like mine or joining a discord or a coaching program. But please get some type of training free or paid before you go in with your last five, $10,000 and just watch it dwindle all the way down to zero. And then you go, now I should get some training at this or even worse, they lose two, three, four, $5,000 and they give up on one of the most powerful financial machines that have the ability to change their family's financial future all because they got started wrong and lost a couple dollars and they gave up on one of the most beautiful systems of making money. And the reason I call it a beautiful system, it doesn't care what your race is. It doesn't care what your sex is. It doesn't care what country you were born in. It doesn't matter if your parents had money or not. The stock market is the most unbiased uh, industry in the world. If you have the money and you know how to identify and find good stocks, you can invest in them. There's no way for them to discriminate against you unless you don't have the money or the knowledge. All the other racism, sexisms, don't exist when it comes to buying stocks. So it's the, it's one of the most beautiful platforms to make money in and you can unbiasedly grow your wealth and grow it quietly from the comfort of your home and nobody can take that information away from you. You also can pass that knowledge down to your kids. And so most people miss out on all that upside potential because they're like, I can do this myself and they lose a thousand bucks and then they, they get knocked out of the game. Very powerful message. I totally agree with your point about it's very unbiased and it's very easy to access. What reminds me though, is that there are so many vehicles of investments, right? Stock market is one. And even within stock market investing, you have people who just vouch for trading, people who are more like value long-term investing. Mm -hmm. Maybe there are some other more nuanced categories. And then outside of stock market, you have real estate, you have alternative investments. So how do people even decide in the first step, which route to go? I think stock market is great, but there are just so many competing theories or gurus, let's say that say one is better than the other, or one is the best of all of them. So how do people decide on that? Yeah. So I think it's important to understand that anyone I shouldn't say anyone. I, I am going to say the stock market is the best. But depending on who you're talking to, 
the best is going to depend on their situation. So let me give you an example. You know, I think people need to zoom out first and say, why do I want to invest? When people don't even understand what the mechanism is and why, then it's hard to pick which direction to go. So for me, I'll give you, I'll, I'll tell you the road I took. I said, I want, I said, one day I want to be able to make money from home. Okay. Well, real estate involves me leaving to go and actually look at property. So that doesn't allow me to technically make money from home. Now, someone could argue, well, once you get enough properties, then you could have someone else manage it. Got it. But initially I got to leave the house. If something goes wrong, I got to go visit the property, et cetera. So it's like, I want to make money from home and, 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 and anywhere in the world. If I'm on vacation, I want to live in Europe for a month. I want to be able to make money from anywhere in the world. Real estate didn't do that for me. The other thing I looked at was I want a marketplace where there is always opportunity. Well, in real estate, if no one's selling their houses, if you can't find a fixer upper, how do you, you're like, I don't know where my next deal is going to come from. I got thousands of stocks to go find the next stock that's in an uptrend or a downtrend. There's always a stock that's moving up or down. So I got like unlimited choices of investment, so to speak. And like you said, I could do futures. I could do Bitcoin. I could do gold. I can do dividend investing. I just a plethora of things that I could choose from. So you really need to understand what is your goal for investing. Then the other thing I ask myself is which one can I make money the fastest in. And when I started learning about option trading, where I can control higher price stocks for a fraction of the cost, I'm like, okay, if I put that up against real estate, let's say I have five, well, in my case, I had $500. There was nothing I could go do in real estate for $500. In real estate, you need 50, 70, 80, 100. Now, someone's going to say, well, no, you don't. You could use other people's money. Okay, now I got to go convince people to give me money. If my credit's not good, I, you know, I don't know if the bank's going to loan it to me. But here's the thing. Even if I go get one house at $100,000 and the bank loan me money, how many houses are they going to loan me money on? One, maybe two max. So how do I get more than two houses? If I look at the stock market, I could take $500. I could take $5,000. There's stocks that trade from $1 to $5 all the way up to you know, Berkshire Hathaway stock was chased at $300,000 or something a share. So there is opportunity for all price points in the stock market. I don't have to leave my house. I can do it while working my full-time job because the market's open. I'm working my job. My stocks are working for me. So when I start looking at things like that, that's how I pick the stock market. Some people may say, I already got a lot of money. I'm looking for bigger tax breaks. Real estate might be the best way to go. Some people might say, we already made a lot of money in the late, later years of our life. They may just do dividend and index fund investment in mutual funds. They just don't want to lose all their money. So there is no like, which one is the best? I believe the stock market is the better vehicle that encompasses more people and more shapes and sizes of accounts, financial literacy, et cetera. But you have to think about where you're at in life. Are you trying to preserve wealth, generate wealth, not lose what you have? all of, get a bit of tax breaks. All of those things are going to be uh, levers that say, maybe you should look at real estate. Maybe you should look at life insurance investing. Maybe you should look at hard money lending. Maybe you should look at ETF or index fund investing, mutual funds. All of those things are going to be, got to be factored in before you could just say, this one is the best. 
I'm just telling you why the stock market was the best for me. That was awesome. That was uh, very well said. A couple of questions left for you. Do you have a book recommendation for either just trading or life in general, maybe mindset or personal improvement? So we're actually going through a book right now in a book club because I started a book club with my members because, again, it's not just about training. We got to help people with their mindset. And so this is the one we're going through. This is probably the most influential and beneficial book that I ever read, which was Think and Grow Rich. And so people ask me all the time, is there a trading book you recommend? I say, no, I'd recommend Think and Grow Rich. I, I recommend courses for trading, but I recommend books like Think and Grow Rich because no matter if you understand trading, investing, real estate, if you don't get your mind right, if you don't think like a rich person, if you don't think like an investor, if you don't think like a Warren Buffett, then you'll never be good at evaluating stocks. You'll never be good at evaluating risk reward. If you don't believe that you can make that type of money, then you won't even take the first step and open your practice account because you don't believe it works. And you don't believe it's because you're not thinking and growing rich. You're still thinking like a W-2 employee. You're still thinking like my mom told me, money doesn't grow on trees. You got to work hard. Go get a good job. What is a good job anyway? But so you got to really change your mindset. So I recommend books like Think and Grow Rich. Another book uh, that really had a big impact on my life, I got to give him his props, Robert Kiyosaki's Rich Dad, Poor Dad. That was another book um, that really just made you think about money differently. And it's like, how come the rich people do this? How come the poor people do this? And really the book was about, about rich or poor money wise. It was about how rich people think versus how poor people think. So those would probably be the two top books that I think everyone should check out. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki. Cool, cool. I read both books. They are very good books about mindset. Super good books. Yeah. Super good books. And the way that they teach through the eyes of kids allow you to see yourselves in the story, you know? Yeah. And Rich Dad also has a game, a board game. I Cash have a kids version too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, <laughs> like, nice. You do this full time now, your YouTube, your education company, newsletter, etc. Yeah, yeah, full-time trader, full-time business owner. Absolutely. Great. It's been a it's been a it's been a blessing, you know, to to you know, people say, you know, I want to I want to bring this up because you know, people say stuff like um I don't know if it's as prevalent now, but I remember when I first got started, people used to say at least I thought it was stupid, but I just realized like again, they're just not trained on how to think, but people will say stuff like if you're making so much money, why are you selling the course or why are you teaching? If you're so successful, why are you teaching people? And I used to think, and I still do. I'm like, well, who do you want to teach you? A failure? Like, who? I mean, that's not a smart question. If I'm so successful, why am I teaching? Because I've had some success, right? It's like asking Michael Jordan, if you're so good at basketball, you made so much money. Why would you open a basketball camp? Why would you create gym shoes? It's like, why wouldn't I? If I could create shoes to make kids jump higher, if I could open basketball camps to teach them the, the stuff that I learned, why wouldn't I? And so uh, my point in saying that is people say if you could work in your passion, you'll never work a day again in your life. I am so fortunate to work in a industry that I'm passionate about. 
I get to wake up every day and look at stock charts, look at how to build wealth, evaluate companies, determine the best time to buy and sell. And I get to record myself doing it or bring a bunch of people in our membership along with me for something that I'm going to do for myself anyway. It doesn't even really feel like work. And so I'm blessed to be able to do it full time because then I take the trades I find and I go put my real money to work. And I think that's what makes our membership and our program unique is that I'm looking for trades for myself with my own real money. I'm like, hey, I am buying a thousand shares of Tesla today. Hey, I'm selling it. Here's why. And so I think that's what makes it so unique is that I'm going to do it for myself anyway. But unfortunately, they don't give us free servers, free cameras and all that stuff. That stuff costs money. People need customer service and support. And so we have to charge for it. But I love working in the space and in the industry. And because I'm good at it, I want to help as many people as possible because no one helped me. And I know how it felt being a young black kid from Detroit on the outside, wishing I would run into some white person who invested in the stock market. And that's what we used to think. Like, how can we meet the white people? Wonder if one of them would mentor us and teach us. And so now that we finally got the information, it's like, why, why wouldn't we jump on here and talk about it and tell everybody about it? It's like, if you had the cure for cancer, you wouldn't be like, well, I don't really want to sell him the cure. I know it'll save his life, but I don't want him to feel like I'm selling him something. I'm like, yep, we got the cure for brokenness over here. We know how the market works. We know the strategies. Join us. Either watch our free stuff on YouTube or come over here to the pay program if you want more help. It just, it just made logical sense. I really applaud for what you're doing. I think that's really a great service to a lot of people. I applaud you too because... You know, it's podcasts and stuff like this. You know, someone asked me the other day, it was like, why do you do all these podcasts and stuff like that? I was like, it's our job to get the word out there to people yeah. about what's possible and what resources are out there and how this can change their life. And so I appreciate, you know, you stepping in your grade. You could have been like, I don't want to be on camera. I don't like my voice. But you stepped up and created a podcast and a platform for people to share what they're doing and how they're making money. So I appreciate you. No, thank you. I really appreciate that. My last question then is where can people find more about you? So the best place to find, I'm Jason Brown, obviously. And the Brown Report is the best place to uh, find out more about me. More specifically, people always ask, how can I learn about call options, put options, protecting my account, growing a small account. And so we put together something called the Stock Option starter pack. And so in that starter pack, we talk about the three most profitable patterns. We talk about calls, puts, how to use them for insurance, how to use it to grow a small account. And that could be found on our site at thebrownreport.com. And also on there, you can have access to the YouTube channel, the Instagram, but pretty much on all platforms, it's the Brown Report. You can find me anywhere. Got it. And that's a weekly newsletter or daily or... What's the frequency? So we, we actually send out a weekly, it's technically not a, you could call it a newsletter, but it's when a new YouTube video comes out, which is weekly. The podcast comes out weekly. And then sometimes we go live and look at trades um, that we either did in our forum and then try to show the general public, like, here's the ones we found. Here's how much money you could have made if you known about it. So usually two times a week, we're, we're sending something out about the podcast, YouTube video or new trade and how it worked out for us. Got it. And people can sign up by going to your the website. Brownreport.com. Mm -hmm. okay. Great. 
All right. Thank you so much, Jason. This has been really fun. And uh, I really appreciate your time for coming on the show. Yeah. I appreciate you for having me and keep doing what you're doing too. Thank you. Thank you.